Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus and the everyday normal rhythms of life. And today I have my pastoral assistant, Kevin Noer, with me. Hey, guys. And our director of Sacred City Youth, Alex Tate. How's it going, guys? Fresh, freshly graduated from the pastoral residency. Yes, we're done. Right. We're done. <laughs> so welcome, guys. And we are going to do another Theology for Everyone. And we are, so what we're doing in Theology for Everyone is we're helping our people become better theologians, more accurate in their understanding of God, more accurate in their understanding of salvation. We kind of really, uh, we're doing that by studying the Westminster Confession of Faith. And right now we're really in sections and segment on soteriology. And soteriology is the study of salvation. So what actually happens when humans are saved? Um, last time we talked about um, the doctrine of free will. Do, is is free will a real thing? Do we still have it, et cetera, et cetera? You can go back and listen to that podcast. But today we're going to be talking about something that many of us have maybe never heard of, and it is the doctrine of effectual calling. Effectual calling. Um, we've talked about it a little bit in the past, even a little bit last week, but uh, the Westminster Divines are going to go into this. There is four segments or four articles in chapter 10 of Effectual Calling. We're going to go through each one of those. We'll do two in this podcast and two in the next podcast. This is one of the most important doctrines in understanding your salvation. Um, this Understanding this is, is really the key difference between um, Reformed folks and non-reformed folks. So reformed reform understanding of salvation and more along the lines of a Methodist understanding or um, usually more of charismatic understandings, what we would call uh, Arminian understandings of, of salvation. And we're going to get into that today. So this, and my perspective is when a person really understands what effectual calling is, it gives them a whole new appreciation for their salvation. Light bulbs go on, and then they really get, oh, mm. I have been saved 100% by, not by nothing but the grace of God. Yeah. yeah, And that usually radically transforms a person. So that's our goal. We want to study that. Again, we're, we're studying this uh, pretty ancient um, text, and so we're going to use 30 some words that we don't normally use. It's going to be a monster of a sentence uh, <laughs> with a lot of commas. And it would be beneficial for you if you had a copy of this so you could read it with us. Um, this would be maybe a good podcast to listen to even you know, during your devotional time in the morning to get a better understanding of God. So here it is. Of effectual calling. All those whom God hath predestinated unto life and those only, he is pleased. In his appointed and accepted time, effectually to call by his word and spirit out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ. Enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. Taking away their heart of stone 
and giving unto them a heart of flesh, renewing their wills, and by his almighty power, determining them to that which is good and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ. Yet so, as they come most freely, being made willing by his grace. Mm. Every word is important there. Every word is dynamite. Um, this Understanding this paragraph can change your life, can change your understanding of salvation, can change your experience with the gospel. Mm. Um. Let's go through this a little bit slower. I will try to um, define some terms if I can, and we'll look at some scripture proofs proofs mm-hmm. as we do this, okay? Yeah. All right. All those whom God hath predestinated unto life, okay? Short word is the elect. Mm-hmm. We've talked about election. We've talked about predestination. So before, before God saw anything that we ever did, Back in his, you know, eternity past, God predestined he was going to save the elect, yeah. right? We've talked a lot about that. So that's who he's talking about, or they're talking about. All those, or so all the elect, or all those whom God hath predestinated, he predestinated unto life, and those only. So this doctrine of effectual calling, we don't know what it is yet, but we're going to explain it. it this, the only people who are effectually called are the elect. Mm. The non-elect do not receive this effectual calling, Okay. So, the elect, he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time effectually to call. So, again, it's up to God when God, when God calls a person. Um, his appointed and accepted time effectually to call. Now, we need to talk about this word effectually. Effect, and I, this is the way that I've defined it in the past. When, when we say God calls us effectually, effectually means he creates the desired outcome. Okay? So I've, the, the extra, ex- example I always use is, you know, I can call my kids to come in for dinner, but it's up to my kids to, to respond to my call. Mm. That's not the way God calls his people. He effectually calls his people. So God's word is power. When God spoke and said, let there be light, he did not give the light an option to turn on or not to turn on. He effectually called light into existence. When God, same thing. You could go all through creation. And then when you look at Jesus, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he was not calling Lazarus forth like I call my kids to dinner. Mm. So with that, like, so when you say God has, God has called his people, not the same as you would call your kids. So a lot of people would say, what is the point of ministry? Why share the gospel? Why have churches if God already knows who the elect and chosen will be? Yeah, because God has also chosen the means by which God calls his people. That's good. That's good. And he chooses not to use dreams mm-hmm. and visions mainly. He chooses to use the preaching of the gospel and the sharing of the gospel. That's his chosen means mm. to effectually call. So, so and we see this here. So he is pleased and is appointed and accepted effectually to call, look, by his word and spirit. Mm. So what's God's means 
for calling people, his preferred method, proclamation of the word, mm. and the Holy Spirit, yeah. right? So we've got, that was one and two there. We got some text for those. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Okay, so that's Romans 8 there. And we're talking about the golden chain of salvation. We see that he predestined them and then he called them and then he justified them. Mm. We don't see any response from man in that in that section. We don't see anything about man cooperating with God. We see God doing all the work mm. in that salvation, right? Mm. Okay. <clears throat> and then 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we hear all of it, all of those words there. We hear God calling us to salvation. Mm-hmm. We see he's doing it through the spirit and through the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the word. And um, yeah, so we see it, we it all there. Okay, so, so God, God's word and spirit are so powerful that when he says, Alex Tate, come here, Alex Tate gets up out of the grave, spiritually speaking, and comes to the father. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. says this, out, he calls us by word and spirit, out of that state of sin and death. So we know we're born in a state of sin. We're not born sinless. We're born spiritually dead to God, in which they are by nature, to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ. So God effectually calls us out of spiritual death into spiritual life by himself. Now, what does that do to us? Okay, here's what, he, here's what it does to us enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. So you maybe grew up in the church and you heard the gospel a million times. And then one time in college, somebody shares the gospel with you and all of a sudden, boom, light bulbs come on. It's the best news in the universe. And you believe what happened. Did you just intellectually finally get it? Did you reach a level of spiritual maturity and, and wisdom that now all of a sudden it, it made sense to you? Or did the Holy Spirit open your eyes, right? Enlightening your mind spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. Yeah. Now here's where Reformed theology differs from so much of the theology that's going around in our world today. Reformed theology says God did that work in you first. God did it. The big words, here's the big words. It's called monergism versus synergism, okay? Jur in that middle of that word means to work. You add an ism to it, it's basically a philosophy. Mono, one worker philosophy. Synergism, multiple worker philosophy, okay? So in monergism, Reformed theology, it says God worked on your behalf 100% to make you willing and wantingly to obey him and to choose and to, to believe the gospel, okay? In synergism, a lot of Baptist churches around, free will Baptist church, a lot of uh, Methodism, a lot of you know non-denominational churches, they say that you and God work together in that moment. 
We say, absolutely not. What can a dead man add to his salvation? Yeah. yeah. Right? It just doesn't make sense. What can a dead man do? Nothing. So we believe God gives us a new heart, and then out of that new heart, we believe in the, we believe in the gospel. Yeah. He gives us a new heart. Out of that new heart, we, we repent. We don't repent and then get a new heart. If I had to repent in order to get a new heart, why would I ever repent <laughs> yeah. from my dead heart? I would never do it. Right? Okay. So here it is. Again, so enlightening their minds and spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. Oh, that's number four. We're, we have something for But that? I got some good news here, yeah. yeah. Um, Ephesians 2, by grace through faith. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the curse of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom... We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of a body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, but God, come on up, <laughs> being rich in mercy because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have now been saved. Preach, dude. So it does not say, but you mm-hmm. repented of your sin, but you chose God. It says, but God. Yeah. God is the one who acted. Now, we're not talking about the whole chain of salvation here. We're talking about the first move, the first act. Mm-hmm. He, by himself, gives us that new heart. Okay, now, out of that new heart, of course, we repent of our sin. We put our faith in Christ. We are follow Jesus and we put to death certain sins. We're talking about the first moment, the first act in that chain is monergistic. It's God only. Mm-hmm. God works solely. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. Uh, do we have another scripture for that one? Yeah, Ephesians yeah. 1, 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, Mm. what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's great. So, in one sense, Jesus might just be another another good teacher. He might just be an interesting fellow. But when your mind gets enlightened by the Holy Spirit, you come to see that he is the one and only Son of God. You come to love him and desire him and, and want to know him. Right, God has to change that in your mind. Yeah. He content, they continue taking away their heart of stone, so that's the dead heart that we're born with, and giving unto them a heart of flesh. A scripture for that. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. It's Ezekiel 36. So 36, 26, so... God does this work. God gives us this new heart of flesh. The heart of flesh is not a reward for our good behavior. Mm. It's not a reward for us reaching spiritual enlightenment or becoming a good person. Mm. God gives us by sheer grace the heart of flesh and the new spirit, and then now Christians respond to him and worship him out of that new spirit. Mm-hmm. So so once you get this, this gift and God has chosen you, um, can someone take that away? Absolutely not. Nobody can take it away. This is why you can't lose it. You can never lose your salvation because you didn't earn it yep. to begin with. Mm-hmm. It was given you by, by a sheer gift of grace. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, 
keep reading. And then, it, so, so it gives them a heart of flesh, renewing their wills. Now, this is important. Renewing their wills. God is not um, forcing salvation upon us. He's not forcing himself upon us. He's renewing our wills. So he's giving us what we should want or what we would want if we weren't born in sin. If we weren't cursed under God, he's giving us what we would want. So think of it like this. A person born, I'm just going to use a really gross analogy, born eating brains. Okay, he's eating monkey brains. Not the monkey brains. (laughs) (laughs) I just had this picture of Indiana Jones. Person is born eating monkey brains, right? And thinks this is the biggest, best delicacy in the world, right? Mm. You offer him chocolate cake, he's like, heck no. This monkey brains is where it's at, okay? His will is set on monkey brains, right? Mm -hmm. But if he had never eaten monkey brains or if he had, whatever, never grown in that kind of culture, he probably would would really like cake, Mm -hmm. right? And so in this kind of analogy, the Holy Spirit comes in our heart and gives us what we would have wanted if we would never have fallen in sin. Mm -hmm. And obviously we would want the, I mean, my illustration breaks down because, you know, maybe some people like monkey brains more than cake, but God himself is the ultimate good. He's the highest good possible. So every human being would want God if in their right if they were in their right mind and right will, right? So God frees our will so now we can actually choose what we would have chosen if we weren't fallen in sin. So it's not overrunning our will in in a kind of a a domineering sense. Mm -hmm. It's freeing us to actually choose what we would have chosen if we weren't fallen in sin. Restores our will. Restores our will, yeah. And by his almighty power, determining them to that which is good. So again, another way to say it is determining them to that which is good. We're born with a compass that's off. Mm -hmm. Our compass doesn't point towards true north. Okay, Mm -hmm. It points towards sin. It points towards folly. It points towards destruction. So when God comes in and gives us a new heart and a new will, he reorients our heart toward that which is actually good what's revealed to us in scripture and what's revealed to us in his will. Okay. So now our hearts are pointed towards that, which is good. And we actually desire that, which is good. And now we have a will that's free to actually choose Mm -hmm. that, which is good. Okay. And effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ. Do we have a text for that? John six, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Mm. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Okay, so no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. Mm -hmm. That word draw there is not a wooing, is not a like, you know, putting a little carrot in front of somebody's face. That, that is the same term that's used for when Paul gets dragged out of the city. And it's the same term used for when a person draws water from a well. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's an effectual calling, effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ. So everyone that 
is elect gets drawn to Jesus Christ. The Spirit does his work. The Spirit never screws up. Mm -hmm. God never fails. God never doesn't get somebody who he wants, okay? Now, so God's will happens. But listen to this. This, part, this is the last part. It's really crucial. Yet so, as they come most freely, mm. being made willing by his grace. Mm -hmm. Text for that. Psalm 110.3. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. Okay, so we are not puppets on a string. We are not, you know, God is not just overcoming our will in some kind of um, dominating fashion. He's freeing our will so that now we can actually choose that. We're not bent towards sin. We can actually choose that which is good, which is God himself. We're made willing by his grace. Okay, so hopefully you can see why this is so important to us and why we preach it so much at Sacred City. And this is one of the reasons why our church is growing like it's been consistently over the past year, because we preach the gospel mm -hmm. that requires God to save sinners yeah, and not just us save ourselves through our good works or our ability to choose people. And, um, and so we believe in effectual calling. Mm -hmm. We believe now Another term that we've used in the past or Calvinists have used is irresistible grace. I don't really like that term very much because we still resist grace, but I think effectual calling is the better, mm. uh, is the better term. Um, so God predestines us. God calls us through the word and through the spirit, and he frees our will to now repent of our sin and now choose him and choose that which is good yeah. and follow yeah. him. Yeah. Okay? Let's go to Article 2. This effectual call is of God's free and special grace alone. Not from anything at all foreseen in man, who is altogether passive therein, until being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit, he is thereby enabled to answer this call and to embrace the grace offered and conveyed in it. Mm. Okay, they're not mincing any terms. They're very clear we believe salvation is, well, the big term I'm going to use, monergistic. Mm. Monergistic. God does all the work. Mm -hmm. And the first acts of salvation, God does all the work. Not synergistic. We work together with God. Okay? So let's go through these again. This effectual call is of God's free and special grace, not from anything at all foreseen in man. I've got a text for that. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, many people preach, they, they say, oh, yeah, we're saved by grace alone. But then they say things like, all right, man, now you got you to gotta believe. Like, it's up to you to believe. You got you to gotta do this thing. Just It's all up to you. Just, just believe, man. Just believe, just believe. Mm. And they put, it, they put all of the onus of salvation upon a person, mm. their choice. Mm -hmm. they're, walking, they're walking down an, an aisle. Yeah. They're turning from, a, uh, turning from a sin. And so, like, yeah, if a person's struggling in sin, well, maybe you're not saved, you know, like. Um, and so... The Westminster Divines and Reformed Theology says, no, no, no. 
This is all a work of God. Mm -hmm. Now, some people try to get around this and go, okay, well, God looks down the corridors of time and he sees those people who would, would or will choose him yeah. and he chooses them. That is an absolutely philosophically absurd complaint or, 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 or idea that God would be contingent upon us choosing him. It's like, the, it's like he's only picking the Michael Jordans of the world instead of the people on the bench or in the crowd. Yeah, and it, but it, and it, would be, it would be God's plan would be contingent on our response to it. Yeah. And, not, and theoretically, Jesus Christ could have died and nobody chose him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Jesus Christ could have died and nobody would have put their faith in Christ. Theoretically, mm -hmm. Jesus could have died for no reason. That's absurd. Yeah. Jesus died for the elect. God effectually calls the elect. God knows every single person who's going to be saved because God calls that person and, the sheep, and his sheep hear his voice yeah. and they respond. Uh, he frees their will to respond. Yeah. So God doesn't look down the corridors of time and see the people that are going to choose him and then give them grace because they're going to be good people in the future. He chooses spiritually dead people and he puts a new heart in them, a new spirit in them, a new will in them. And those people turn around and worship him like crazy. Yeah. For giving him, giving us that new heart. Which I think is why it's so important to celebrate those things, right? Like um, I was thinking when we were talking before about um, the mind being enlightened by the Holy Spirit. And I, I know it's really easy to have same or similar conversations with somebody 99 times and then they have it with somebody else that hundredth time and their mind is enlightened and it's not because of what Joe said it's because the Holy Spirit chose that time and so instead of being frustrated or bitter about that that's that's cause for massive celebration that they celebrate un yeah they understand and they believe that it's true yeah. yeah and I think and if a person doesn't have that kind of response to Jesus, it might be because they haven't understood the inner workings of their salvation. Mm -hmm. yeah. They don't really realize that God saved them when they were sinners and yeah. God's done all this work on their behalf because when a sinner comes to realize that it's all grace, that I didn't earn it and I can't lose it, yeah. Yeah. man, it just sets the heart on fire. Yeah. It's good. It sets the heart on fire. Okay. And, and he, they just, they just want to like make this known. I love how they say this. So not from anything at all foreseen in man who is altogether passive therein. <laughs> passive. Laying dead on a table. Doing nothing. Mm. God saves that person without them moving a muscle. Yeah. It's not like they're laying dead in the table, but their spirit is still alive or their brain waves are still firing and they're thinking if i could just get out of this body i would choose god no 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 brain waves Dead. no spiritual brain waves no spiritual heartbeat no pulse no organs you're decomposing on the table just like lazarus and god says come here baby mm. oh that's good news and Amen. you come you know yeah. and when you wake up from that death you should be set on fire for god yeah celebrate come yeah. on yeah being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit. We got a scripture for that? Yeah. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Boom. 
you're spiritually dead, you don't get it. You don't get the gospel. You don't get things of the spirit. They don't make sense to you. It's almost like a different language. When God gives you that new mind, God gives you that new heart, God gives you that new spirit, now all of a sudden, the spiritual things start to make sense to you. Go, keeps going. He is thereby enabled to answer this call. So again, spiritually dead person, if I holler at that spiritual, hey man, come come to Christ, bro. Listen, here's the gospel. Jesus lived for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus gives you new life. That guy's dead on the table. What's he going to do? Nothing. His ears don't work. His brain ain't working. His heart ain't working. He's dead on the tail. But when God steps in and give, and brings new life, a new heart, a new spirit, that enables this dead person who was once was dead, that enables him now to use his renewed faculties, his renew his will and his mind and his heart to now choose God to answer the call yeah. and to embrace the grace offered and conveyed in it. Mm. Last scripture. Yeah. John five twenty five. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. Boom. The dead will hear and those who hear because they've been made alive will respond to it. You got another one, Tate? Yes. And it says, let the children come to me. Now they were bringing the infants to him, and he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. Okay, you got ahead of us. You're on the next article, and I don't want to jump in there yet. So (laughs) you guys just got a little prequel of where we're going next week. The question is... Okay, the the effectual only the those who are effectually called come to Jesus. Well, what about infants? Mm-hmm. What about children? What about those who who die in the womb? What about what about those? How, how do those people? Do the, what happens with those? Well, we will answer that question in the next podcast. Thanks for setting that up for us, Alex. Let them come. <laughs> and I will talk to you guys later. If you have any questions, please email me, uh, Justin Dean at SacredCityChurch.com. We love you. We're praying for you. Follow Jesus today and give it all for the glory of God. God bless you.